You're listening to the Volleyball by Design podcast. Today, we have a special guest on the episode. We have FIVB Pro Volleyball referee Andrew Robb. And on this episode, we dive into things that I guarantee you as a coach, some of you may not be aware of. Uh, we talk about some things like the double contact and the, the lift or aka catch and throw. And we also talk about, you know, as a coach, what are the things that you should be aware of during a match? How do you how do you communicate with a referee? What are you not allowed or allowed to do? And we dive into all the procedural things that coaches may not even be aware of and what referees look for in a game as well that make that if you knew this information would help you as a coach. Listen, it's an episode you don't want to miss. I had Andrew on uh, back in February, where we dove into some of the most controversial rules in our game, and he gave really great explanations and interpretations of things that I guarantee you a lot of coaches didn't even know about, especially me. So it's an episode you definitely don't want to miss. Stay tuned. Hi, I'm Coach Brian Singh, and after a number of years coaching competitive volleyball and as the head coach of the biggest college in Canada, I've become obsessed with helping coaches improve their knowledge and skills of the game by teaching them how to coach efficiently and effectively to ultimately reach their volleyball goals. I created the Volleyball by Design podcast to give you simple, actionable, step-by-step strategies so you can get clarity and apply what you learn right away. This is... The Volleyball by Design Podcast. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to another episode of the Volleyball by Design Podcast. How is everyone doing out there today? Uh, We are in December. We got uh, the holidays around the corner. It's a happy time. I looked outside my window this morning and all I saw was snow. For those of you listening in warmer parts of the world, I envy you right now because we have a lot of snow over here in Canada where we're recording this, but it's all good. I mean, you know, when you when you think of the holidays and Christmas, you, you, I mean, snow kind of it, it's one of it's what you think about. So uh, anyways, thank you so much for joining us today. For my new listeners, welcome to the pod. My name is Coach Brian. I'm the host of the podcast and you have about 129 episodes to get caught up on uh, because we're in the 130th episode. It's crazy. Uh, I was talking to our guest right before this about how long the podcast has been going on. You know, I started this I started this June of 2020 in the midst of the pandemic to really just bring tangible, systematic advice, feedback, whatever you want to call it, so we could grow this game. And 130 episodes in, it's uh, it's amazing. Yeah. And for my regular listeners, you know, as always, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode. Uh, if you haven't got a chance to review the pod, you know, do me a favor, review the pod. Last week, we had a great review. Um, it gives me that feedback. It helps us grow the show and, you know, reach more coaches. At the end of the day, we're trying to reach more coaches. So really appreciate that. But let's get into today's episode. Now, I've had this... Uh, this special person on um, at the beginning of the year, actually, back in February. So if you get a chance, I want you to listen to episode 90. Okay, back in February, episode 90. This is going to that's going to be kind of like part one to this uh, interview. Part two will be today, obviously. So start with that episode. It is a fantastic episode. Um, uh, and we'll talk more about that after. But yeah, honestly, I'm super privileged to have this person on the podcast, this individual, is been a referee for I'm gonna say 32 years. You can correct me if I'm wrong, but he's been a referee for 32 years, longer like almost. I, I was born 33 <laughs> years ago, so that's insane. Uh, and he is at the highest level you could be at. You know, he is an FIVB official. Um, he runs the he's the the, the head, the chair. I don't know what you call it of the referees in, in the province of Ontario, and he plays a significant role in uh, that in 
being a ref for you know across Canada and the world. And we're so privileged to have an FIVB official. So you imagine the, the knowledge that this individual has. And super excited to invite Andrew Robb back on the pod. Andrew, what's up, man? Thanks for joining us. Hey, Brian, what's happening? Great to, to be with you. It's hard to believe it's been almost a year since I was uh, first I on know. this uh, amazing uh, podcast. And uh, so happy to be back with you. Thanks, man. So as I mentioned earlier, uh, for you listeners, episode 90, write that down. I want you to go back and listen to that. And I was I was speaking to Andrew on this on this pod earlier, but it that episode has been one of my top 10 episodes that I've we've had. So that tells me that you listeners want to know about this stuff. You guys want to know how referees are making calls. What are they thinking about during games? How are they interpreting the rules? Because at the end of the day, we need to know this information. And I don't know how it is across the world, but in our country, when we need to get education on coaching, it's by other coaches and it's more tactical things and technical things and improving your volleyball like knowledge in the sense of the game, but not necessarily the rules, interpreting the rules, the, 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 the structure of the game. How do we, how do we behave and, and all the, all these things. So it, it's an area that I'm passionate about. And clearly you guys are too, because that was the top 10 episode and this is my 130th episode. So that's, 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 that's pretty impressive. Uh, so yeah, so take your notes. If you're driving, you know, you're gonna have to come back to this episode and make some notes, but we're going to dive into today. Uh, really quickly, Andrew, uh, for those who've never, you know, heard about you, you want to just give a quick intro of who you are and, uh, what you do. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks very much, uh, Brian. Yeah. So I'm uh, entering my, my 33rd year and as you indicated, uh, uh, you're, you're, <laughs> you're what, you're, you're 33. So, uh, it's been a, a long a haul for me and it's been something that is uh, a passion Sometimes I, I wonder whether or not this is my, my full-time job. Actually, I, I work for an insurance company in human resources, and this is something that I got involved in my first year of university. And, you know, it's funny to talk about knowledge. Well, I only played at the, at the high school level, and I was a decent player, but I clearly did not know the rules. And there was one referee that did many of our matches, and at the end of my, my last game uh, in grade 13 back then you know he said did you ever think about becoming a referee to see the other side of it because I'll tell you and, and this may surprise uh, some people who know me um, I wasn't uh, a most respectful shall I say a uh, player um, I was I was passionate and and I got carried away and uh, I received my fair amount of yellow and, and red cards to the tune of being uh, suspended uh, twice. And it wasn't, you know, outwardly at the, at the referee. It was more at my team, didn't have a great team. And I'm just thankful that this, uh, this referee steered me in the direction to say, hey, this is an opportunity to see the other side of the game. And then I got my, my level one back in, in 1990. And I just was fortunate enough and, and moved up the ranks I thought, okay, being a national here in, in Canada, having the opportunity to travel all around the, the province and you know, a couple of our, our territories, that was the icing. But then back in, I guess, uh, 2010, uh, I got the nod uh, to join a, an international clinic in, in Argentina. I was su successful there and uh, in 2011 got it ratified. And so I've been a uh, uh, FIVB referee, uh, international referee now for 11, uh, 12 years. Uh, have the opportunity to travel around the world. 
as you mentioned, I, I am the uh, referee chair here uh, in Ontario, and it's the largest province in, in Canada. We have uh, over 500 uh, certified referees, so I give back to the to the game as well. Uh, appreciate that, man. All right, well, let's let's dive right in. Um, what we're going to do is do a little recap of our last episode we had back in February for the listeners who didn't get a chance to check that out. And I just want to talk about the two most common calls that coaches always throw their hands up like, what are you talking about? You know, how are we doing this? And uh, so let's talk about the first one, which is the double contact. So do me a favor. Let's explain the rule. Explain how refs are looking to call, make that call. And then, you know, what are, what are, how can coaches, you know, avoid their setters, you know, or their players rather doing it. So, right. Well, first off, um, many years ago, they removed the, what's called the the two contacts on the first uh, contact. And that was really to to, to keep the, uh, the the ball flying. Many times on serve receive, you know, it, it hits your forehand and then you know hit your chest and wow, you know, two hits. Well, that's not really that's not the spirit. Uh, you know, many times, or if you take the the serve overhand, it's not going to come out clean. And so they implemented a, a rule that you are allowed to uh, contact the ball uh, with two hands on first contact only. So now let's move on to really um, the, the second and third, but primarily it's the second contact. Why? That's where 90% of the time it's your setter that is contacting uh, that ball. Does it come out uh, cleanly all the time? No, this is, this is not beach what, that we're, we're dealing with. Right. So there can be uh, you know, a, a, a little uh, movement, but what your, the referee is looking at is a you know um, the, the the center getting to that ball, making that contact, and as long as they are not you know multiple hits, multiple contacts, they're going to al- allow that uh, that center to, to play that ball. But that's what you're looking at. A lot of times you'll hear you know the coaches or players say, "Well, it's spinning." Well, spinning is not what constitutes a double contact. It has to be physically one hand on the ball and then the other hand making that that contact, which typically when you have that release, yeah, it's going to fly out and, and look ugly. But having it spin in of itself is right. not two contacts. Referees will generally are going to allow more leeway for a setter because he she they're the ones that are playing the ball again as i talked about 90 percent of the time they're the ones that are athletic they're the ones that um you know have the control generally when you're seeing a middle player and as a referees you're like oh because you know that there's a reason why they are middle players and they are uh, barreled out in, in, in the back row because they, they don't have necessarily the greatest defense and, and the greatest hands in general. I know I'm generalizing. And when they're static and then the ball just comes out, like, they're going to ones that are going to get to get called. So really focusing on the, the, the contact, um, you know, with the athleticism of that, that setter, people think, well, if they're not in position, that they can't make a, a good set. That's not true. You can be, they can be on the ground and, you know, it's a good form and, and, you know, setting the ball, it's, it's play on. 
people did not come to see the referees come, you know, blow the whistle and, and call uh, all the faults. We want them to enjoy the game. And so you're seeing more and more of, uh, you know, the, the second contact being let go, especially to my, to my listeners in the U.S., you will know that they are even looking at removing the, the second contact yes, right. in, in the U.S. Why? Because is there an advantage? And that's what really you have to think about. Is there an advantage for the other team? If you're sending a free ball and it doesn't come out clean, are you going to score on that? No. They're going to have an opportunity to attack the ball. And so why are you going to you know, stop the play? It's when it is a must call. Those are the ones that have to be called, should be called. And that's what the players and the, and the coaches are, are looking for. Overall, Brian, I would say it really does come down to consistency, though. That's what the coaches and players want. Right. If you're going to let the players play, let them play. There shouldn't be any issues. And that can be established early on uh, into the match. And coaches and players will know, okay, you know what? They're, they're allowing us to play. But if you fall into the trap of calling it tight, then you sort of back yourself into a corner where you now have to essentially call it tight throughout. And that's where referees could get, find themselves in trouble. Right. No, I love that. So we're not looking at the outcome of the ball. We're looking at the hands of the setter. Um, so the spin, in theory, is irrelevant. I mean. Relevant. It's got to be what you see on the player's hands. Now, you said something that's interesting that as a coach, I'm a little bit concerned about. So, um, and I agree, by the way, it's just interesting you said that. So do do refs actually, if when they see a ball go up and they see the middle take it, does that in their mind say, oh, middle's taking the ball, this could be ugly? Like, do refs actually have that come across their mind? Absolutely. And uh, because they're not the ones that are into the play. You know, it could be the second or third set. And so they haven't handled that ball. So chances are it's, it's not going to be clean. It's kind of like someone coming off the, the, the bench, uh, you know, in, in the third set and the fourth set. And why there's, it's not a secret why coaches have their server serve to that player because they're not into it, into it. So it's the same kind of a situation. As referees, we have to think like players and think like coaches. And so you have to anticipate now, you don't want to anticipate to the point where you're blowing the whistle as soon as their hands touch the ball. So that yeah. you can, referees can fall into that trap as well. Yeah, but yeah you, you need to be mindful of where, uh, who's touching the ball at, at all times, what their tendencies are. And that's why what I like to, to, to tell our referees to do as well, you are mentally getting into a match. It's not a matter of just showing up and referee. It doesn't work that way or it shouldn't work that way especially at the higher levels. So there's a reason why you're there, you know, 45 an hour before. Look and watch the warm-up. Look to see who is touching the ball in the warm-up. Find out who is your primary setter. Who is, you know, your, your libero? Um, is it the first, second libero? Um, who is attacking the ball from the backward? Those types of things. So you have to mentally understand um, what's going to potentially transpire uh, in a match. And the best way is not only if, you know, clearly if you're going to a national championship, you want to see game tape from, from prior uh, matches, but in the moment, in the warm-up, tells you a lot of uh, information. So are, are refs actually looking at the warm-up and, and, and seeing the type of play, the type of quality that they're going to be assessing during the match? For, for sure. At, at that, 
higher level, yes. I mean, I guess as a level one, level two, you're just getting into the into the game, man. Right, you're, right, you're, right. You're, right, but yeah, for sure. When you're doing college, uh, you, university, you know, you have your um, first referee and, and your second referee. You're standing by the net. You're talking to um, each other about you know certain responsibilities, and it doesn't matter if I've been working with a referee for a number of years. There's still yeah. maybe little things that you want to uh, uh, point out. Um, you know, maybe these two teams, you know, have, have history. So uh, look to see, you know, if there's a big kill or a big block, you know, where is that emotion going to take place? Yes, it's yes. going to be through the net, uh, those types of things. So, yeah, you know, you have, it's no different than coaches game planning, planning for another team. Referees have to uh, game plan and uh, be up to the task. Okay. No, I like that. Uh it's interesting that I I didn't I didn't I guess common sense I I didn't realize that refs actually say okay the middle's taking the ball or another player who doesn't really take hands is taking the ball and I I just hope because I know you do this but I hope that refs are still being objective and not biased for who's taking that ball because if the worst thing you see is oh a middle takes it and the quality of the set is not as different as maybe the setter but. It may look different, but again, we're looking at how it comes out of the hands, and I hope they're not being biased no. and say, "Hey, the middle took the ball." Oh, that's kind no, of no, and, it, and it's funny because how many times do you get a reaction from a team yeah. when the non-setter makes that set and they get the kill and they get that assist? Why? Because they know they're the ones that are not generally taking the ball. Uh, there's no coincidence why the libero is like a backup setter and they have beautiful hands and they're going to be setting it behind the line because they're used to that. Right. But it's those non setting players that uh, generally, you know, stay away from that. No, fair enough. Okay. Perfect with a double contact. I love it. One thing I'll add too, and I don't know, I mean, this may, this may have come after we had, we had this last interview, but one thing that I do as a coach is, you know, I mean, this is more higher level. I, I think lower level, you can do this too, but you know, when the referees come over to say hi, you know, you know, have a great match, introduce themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll always say, hey, I just have a couple of questions. You know, how are you interpreting the double? Con-? I just want to I want to hear them say it like, hey, well, we're looking at the hands. I'm like, OK, great. So uh, and I'll uh, not to preface by saying, hey, my guys set this way. No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm looking for how the ref is. I want to make sure we're on the same page. So that way, at least I know when they make a call in the game. That ref has told me it's not about the outcome. It's about, you know, their use of the hands. And 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 like you said, it can be consistent. And I asked them, I'm like, hey, uh, you know, how are we calling it tight? tight? I, this is just me personally. I'm like, hey, are we calling it really, really tight tonight? Are we going to let, let the boys play? And just to get, get the feel for it. And generally, the conversations go really well. And I found that when I every time I've done that, I've only been doing that this season. Every time I've done that, the, the game, the, the refs don't manage the game. It, they let it play. They let it play. I think having that conversation ahead of time and making sure we're all on the same page, is, even though it's supposed to be like that, I, as a coach, it was. It, I just found that it, it helped me and the, and the refs be on the same page. And um, yeah, it was interesting. But I'm happy that you that you got it clear. It's out of the hands. Okay, let's move on to to the lift, the held ball, which is another one that big big conversation with coaches. What's going on here? So how, how do so, we interpret that one? Yeah, and, it, and it's funny because you're you're still hearing people say. Um, lift and, and held. And I, I'll tell you that that changed uh, a number of years ago. So the okay. correct terminology is catch. And I think it's, it's important to really distinguish between that because it is different. Back in the day, you know, if someone stuck out their hand and the ball came and hit the hand and said, okay, well, it's a lift. But no, uh, the, the definition uh, of a catch ball is catch and thrown. 
and it does not rebound. And so let me explain that. As a, a setter, a lot of times, you know, on the second contact, you will see that the player will dump the ball and it's, you know, and it's, you know, front row and it's a, and it's a hard, hard dump. That is perfectly legal. You're seeing a lot more of it now uh, from the, the, the non-setter uh, position as well and, and the, the two-hand. Mm-hmm. I don't particularly like that play, but, you know, it's, um, you know, it, it, it is legal uh, as long as they don't uh, catch and throw. And so what we look for, uh, and, you know, this is really coming from the, the, the top all the way down because, we understand that you know, players will look and, and watch the, the volley nation and, and the world championships and they're looking at their favorite players and then they're going to emulate that. Right. And there's been a real crackdown in, in the last year, specifically at the Olympics uh, and at, at VNL. And that was a, a directive that, that came down that they wanted the play to be cleaned up. And what it was, and, and unfortunately viewers can't, uh, can't see me, but it's, extending your arm that's what we're looking at so think of it where the ball is being contacted parallel to your body and in you're taking your hand and you are extending it all the way through and then releasing the ball that is epitomizes what a catch ball is you are catching it from behind behind your, your your head extending your uh, hand forward and throwing it. And what they're trying to do, it's the old beach. And it's funny because I'm, I'm a beach referee as well, but they're trying to get what's called the, the joust. And so you're taking the ball and trying to bring it into the opponent's hand and then swipe it off. Well, a joust is when it's a ball is on top of the net and the, the, the ball is contacted simultaneously. It's not when it's in the offensive zone and you're taking it to try and, and make that joust. And so you're looking at that extension and then are they t- turning their hand and then throwing it diagonally or, or what have you. If you are on top of the ball and it's a hard dump, that's no, no issues or, you know, it's a quick wipe off, off the block. No problem. Yeah. It's catching it, bringing it forward and then throwing it. That's what we're trying to clean up. And that's where you're going to get the, uh, uh, the, the catch or the thrown ball. When you're seeing a player diving for a ball and they're extending and they just pop it up with their hand, that is not a lift. That is not a held ball. It's not, um, it does not rebound. It just comes up. That is clean, you know, you're going to allow that play to continue. It's also the spectacularity of that play that we're, we're looking at. And we're not going to, we don't want to penalize the team. It's no coincidence, uh, Brian, that you're seeing a lot of rules being, being changed before, right? You know, if a player had their hand over the center line, fall. Uh, you didn't interfere with anything. Why are you stopping the play? Right now you have the, the body. The entire body can be over as long as it doesn't interfere in play. Right. It's the same adage where it's, you know, keeping that ball flying, um, allowing the game to, to, to flow and not having the, the, the referee uh, whistle unnecessarily. I love that. So it's not a lift. It's a catch and throw. Now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say something on behalf of all the coaches in Ontario. Not every referee knows this. Uh, you're absolutely correct. 
because I, I I was at a game where you ref the other night and I saw, you know, Josh Fadari do the same thing. No call. Perfect. And I, I understood based on our last conversation, but I can tell you, even at the, at the, the OCW level, yeah. without a doubt at the high school level, the OCW yeah. level, the youth level, um, I've had this conversations with other referees and referees. I, I, I respect quite honestly, and they do not interpret it that way. Um, so there needs to be some education on, on, uh, on that avenue. And I'm not saying that they eventually it'll catch up to them. But when I say that to them, they're like, Oh, uh, I've never heard of that before. I'm not sure about that. I gotta, you know, I gotta follow up with that. So, so thank you for making it clear. And for coaches and refs listening to this episode, I hope we now, and this is something that's not even just a Canada rule. This is coming from the, the top. Is that correct? That is correct. Okay. So that's, that's great to know. And I love that. So as long as we're not, and your, um, your analogy was fantastic. As long as we're not contacting the ball by, by our ear behind our head and bringing it forward. Yeah, absolutely. That's a catch and throw. But if we're on top of the ball and the ball is in front of us, uh, it's, it's very uncommon that is, is that like for sure not going to be a lift or very yeah, rare. I, 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 yeah. It's very rare. Again, you're looking at the length of contact and then that's an important thing. Like how long does that ball stay in the hand right. uh, for it uh, to be released? And that's something that's another part of the criteria that you're looking at when judging that play. And when you think about, right, there's hundreds of contacts that are taking place in, in, in a match. And, you know, you're trying to stay on top of it and, and be consistent all the way through. But you bring up a great uh, point, and it's whether it's at the national level, the level three, four level, all the way up to international. Yeah. Um, it's something that is still pretty, pretty new. And uh, some of the, you know, yeah, inexperienced, um, you know, referees aren't, aren't calling it. Um, but as someone who is the chair, at least here in, in Ontario, that is something that we're trying to get out to the referees. So we were being consistent um, consistent uh, within the province, consistent uh, throughout uh, the country. And then I, I'm sure that my, my fellow colleagues uh, uh, around the world are you know, trying to do the same. Because it, it's, it's difficult. It's just not easy, uh, but it's going to take some time, like, yeah. in, like anything. Sure. But uh, those are some of the things that, you know, uh, that we look for when we are interpreting the, the contact of all. Yeah, it's, okay. it's funny. Uh, I'm so fortunate to, have, to be able to have a conversation with you because even this year, I can count a handful of times where uh, things have been like a, a lift has, has been called or the catch and throw. And you said something really interesting, the spectacularity of the play. And I use those exact same words <laughs> had a couple of times this year. Uh, and they're like, well, no, it was a, it was a held ball. I'm like, but it was from down here. It was, you know, it was one of those. And then I was like, it is what it is. Uh, uh, but it's funny because I know coaches are experiencing this, you know, all over the country and the world. So thank it's, you a, lear it's a learning experience um, for, for many of us. And, you know, I, I've, I've been guilty of that clearly. Uh, I mean, if, if you're not learning and if you're not making mistakes, then uh, something is, is wrong. So it's a constant um, uh, evolution. Yeah, and it's uh, but you know ultimately you know, we want to have everybody uh, on the same page, and that's sure. that's all about uh, teaching. No, I, and I understand that. Okay, great. So that was kind of like we, we talked a little bit about that last time, but it's really good to recap it because again, even even though we had the same conversation, I'm still picking up a couple <laughs> a couple of cues here that are yes. that's amazing. Um, so the real thing that I wanted to bring you on today was last time I got a you know, going over the rules and things like that. Like I've been coaching this game for 15 years. I coach you know one of the highest levels in the in the province and. Even I'm still learning thing. I, I'm still in terms, and that's a problem. Like 
I should not technically still be learning about a basic double contact, like, like the catch and throw, some of the oh, playing the net. And, and I, an important thing, too, is I was never taught how to manage a game in terms of who can talk to the refs. How do you approach the ref? How do, does my, my captain can only talk to the R1? What about the R2? Who can I talk to anybody? How does that work? So let's let's dive into that conversation because I guarantee you, I still even after talking to you, I still probably don't know the, the full procedure on how this works. So what I want to know, and I know what a lot of coaches want to know is what are coaches allowed to do in a match? Like in, in terms of communication and also what is the what what is what is the captain's job? Like how do they go? So let's let's talk about that. And then I'm gonna preface by saying earlier, um also, what are they not allowed to do? You know, like <laughs> what are they not what what should they never be going over to the R one to talk about? You know, because I know there's interpretational calls and right. right, things like that. So let's let's dive into that conversation. Yeah, for sure. And it's and it's uh, uh you know, this we, we could talk uh in depth uh, about this uh, in um because it's 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 important, but I think it's also, I have to recognize that it's different. I can speak at the high level and then also at the collegiate and university level. And I know you think you have uh, many viewers from the, the U.S. Right. And it, it's different, right? So they have a couple of coaches that are able to, to have contact uh, uh, with, the, with the referee. But overall, uh, if you're just looking at it from a, from a basic standpoint, the coach can ask the, the referee for a timeout and a substitution. That is essentially the scope of their job. Uh, I, I'm smiling because it, it, obviously that's, there's a lot more to it. Right. But it's, it's, it's so imperative that the coach and at least their captain understands the rules. It's actually in the rule book that talks about they need to be knowledgeable. And generally speaking, the captain, not only are they the leader of the team, but they're the ones that should have the most information and are able to then communicate whatever that they need to do with the referee. So many times, you know, coach is upset and what happens? They just direct it uh, towards the, the referee. Well, that's unsportsmanlike. Uh, and they can be penalized for that when they're young across. That is what the captain is for. But I get it. You know, that's, that's their, their emotional, they're into the game. But that's where the captain, at the end of a play, politely just puts up their, their hand and heads towards um, R1 for an explanation of the rule. Very important. It's an explanation, um, you know, a potential uh, interpretation. But there are things that, um, for instance, calls that are judgment calls are judgment calls. So two hits, um, four hits, uh, you know, catch ball. Those are judgment calls. And so theoretically, they're not supposed to go to, to the referee, you know, they'll turn and put up their hand and, and what have you. But if they come and, and ask, I will allow them. I will generally I'll say that is a, in my opinion, you may not like my opinion, but that is my opinion. That's not, that's a judgment call. That's not an interpretation of a call. So things like if I call a backcourt attack and the players in the front row, well, clearly, yeah, there's an, uh, that's an issue. 
they can come up and out, well, that player was in such and such. How is that a backcourt attack? And then, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get, it, uh, get it sorted out. Um, you know, contact with the, with the net. Many times a coach wants to say, well, what number? We are not obliged to give the number. It's a courtesy. And I'll tell you why. And I'll try to tell referees. Let's say as a referee, you give the wrong number. That player's in the backcourt. Well, that's protect. Well, that's clear. That could be, I don't want to say protestable because right. yeah, could the backcourt player theoretically go up and try and block the ball? Yes. But there's a reason why you just say, you know, outside hitter or, or middle. You know, how many times when, whether it's basketball or, or football and you hear the referee on the mic and they give the wrong number, right? So it's, it's, a, it's a courtesy. But uh, having the captain understand the play. You know, let's say it's on that, that joust. And well, I wasn't the last one to come, you know, help me understand, you know, it's an explanation. Um, they have the right, but if they're coming for every play, uh, four hits, uh, two hits, then now they are just simply delaying the game. And as a referee, you know, if they come up once, maybe a second, a third time. And if it's not for an interpretation of the, of the company, then, then that's a delay and they're going to they're gonna get, um, uh, get penalized. But knowledge is power. So understanding that uh, a soft a setter in the backcourt and, and it's a soft block, well, clearly if they touch the ball again, that's going to be two hits. But if they are, the contact is below the height of the net and that third ball is over, you know, they need to understand what is a fault, what isn't a fault, and then having that, uh, that, that, that conversation. Sometimes, though, referees, they're going to anticipate what that player is coming over to discuss to R1, and they will shoo them away. That is not something that they should be doing, and that's what really frustrates a coach. Well, why is there a captain then if they're going through the correct procedures, and then you will see the, the referee take their hand, and it's pretty aggressive, and shoo them away. That is not uh, acceptable behavior. They have the right to come forward and then give them you know, the, the explanation. Um, okay. Again, you don't have to like it, uh, but you have to understand. And again, and a lot of times it's, it's a, a judgment uh, situation. Okay, hold on. I, I gotta go back to my notes here. I took a time and I wanna <laughs> dive into this. Um, okay, uh, this, is, this is great. Okay, so first thing, um, I I didn't I didn't know that it was a courtesy. That's that's a really interesting point. When when the refs will be like they'll throw a number a number seven at yeah. me or something like that. That's a that's a, no no that's a valid point because mm -hmm. I thought that if I was to ask them, hey, what number it was, and they can't tell me, that's a problem. So that's fantastic advice. Like I didn't know that. I'm sure many coaches didn't know that. So that's good. Um, second thing, so right, there, I, I, before you go to the second, one, I, yeah. I just want to say I understand too that the reason why the coaches want the number is for stats. And so that's why you're seeing now a lot of times, and, and I'll do, do it too. Um, you know, again, I'll, I'll give the number. But what is sometimes frustrating is if, that, if that's the only player at the top of the net and they're attacking a the ball, well, yeah. that's who it is. I don't know. I, I yeah, think you can yeah. see who, who it is. 
But yeah, that's why I will just say middle, outside, or, or what have you. No, but you're absolutely right because there was a time where a ref gave me the number of a player that was back row and they did it by accident. Like you yeah. said, like they, they, they know who did it, but they gave me the wrong number. I'm like, what do you mean? He's back court. And I could absolutely see how that's an issue. Uh, and to, to the ref's fault, I, I mean, he just gave me the wrong number. Like it, it wasn't the person he intended <laughs> to give me. So I, you like just coming, like thinking about it from that mindset, because I've never thought about it from that mindset is, is really good. Okay. So that was a good one. Um, I want to talk about, okay. So the procedure is captain puts his hand up right. to, to let the referee know that he has, or he or she's going to be coming over to speak to them. I love that. Uh, I have a couple of questions before I get into that. So, you know, one time, two times, three times, that's a delay of game. That's an issue. No problem. hundred percent. Like I, I we don't want to be keep going over at every play. Right. It's just, I get that. But what you said was interesting because I see it all the time. So in theory, interpretational calls are non-negotiable. You, you, there's no debate. I go over, I, my captain goes over and says, you know, double contact, hello, or whatever. And you say, no, no, in my interpretation, in my opinion, that was a double contact. There, you're not really going to get any kind of, you're not going to, there's no point in going over if you think about it. So, but what you said was interesting is that, that the R1 should allow the captain to come over and still grant him or her that conversation. Is that correct? I should even say, not should, has to allow. Okay. See, that's interesting because you, when you were talking about them shooing them away, I see it all the time. Ah, uh, yes, you oh, do. So, and, so and, do I. I, and, my, and up to when you just said that, I was thinking, well, yeah, of course they're going to shoo them away because it's an interpretational call, so there's nothing to talk about. I thought that that's, they're right. But now you're saying they, have, they must grant, unless it's like a second or third or whatever time, they must grant that captain that conversation. Even if it's a second or third time, because again, if I if they're coming for the second or third time, I'm going to say it's a judgment call. You've now come over uh, again. This is a delay warning because at least you're still having that conversation so they understand why. And now they're going to think twice about coming over and asking for for judgment call. But I'll, I'll give you a couple examples that have, have happened to me in, in the last year. And this is the reason why, you know, it's a bang, bang play and the ball goes off the antenna. Well, a couple of things could happen. Was it the attacker that hit the ball off the antenna? Was it off the blocker and hit the antenna? Was it the blocker who touched the antenna that, or flicked the antenna uh, to make it look like you know, it was off, off? So I had, it was a, a, a final match. You know, I, I called it uh, on, the, uh, on the receiving team. And you know, the captain came to me and, and you know, they were... So I'm taking a, a second to go through that play. There's a reason why you have your lines, people. I brought over the lines to get another uh, opinion. At the end of the day, I'm the one that, our R1 is the one that's going to give the, the, the final outcome. But, you know, he was 100% um, that it was off the attack. Even though it was right in front of me and I, I should have picked that up, yeah. uh, I changed my call. They weren't happy, but that that's okay. Yeah. Uh, at, you know, at the end of the day, you want to get the call right. And it's it's the same where there are times when you need to call your, your second over, um, you know, to just go over it. You know, it's there's nothing better than getting the call right. And our coaches will really appreciate when you bring everyone together. Uh, because, listen, we're human. We're going to make mistakes. And it's a matter of not continuously making the same mistake but there are times when yeah i want to get you know more information to make the best uh decision 
So that's when the, the captain is really integral into uh, you know, and speaking up on behalf of the team. See, before I go to my next point, like that is what I, I thought is supposed to happen. And even at my level, there was multiple situations where I would implore to consult with the lion or consult with the, with the R2 and it doesn't happen. Right. And that's frustrating. So I'm so happy to hear you say that because I absolutely agree. It's all about getting the call right. And the more information you have, the better you can, you can make a call based on that information. Uh, and without naming names, man, I had a situation <laughs> in this season. I wouldn't, I wouldn't do this, but you know, my, my attacker hit the ball off the blocker's hand and out. And the way my attacker fell, uh, it, it the, the perception was it could have touched my attacker. So the R1 called it in the other team's favor. And I said, wait, no, 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 it didn't. So I told my captain to go over and have that discussion and ask to, to bring, you know, the, the, the Lions official in or perhaps the R2 that's right there that could see that. And they did. And they still called in their favor. And, I, and it was what was interesting is, and this is what frustrates me, was the R2 said that I thought it hit them. It, it, it didn't. It, it, it didn't hit. We don't know if it hit him. He's, I thought he, yes. he did this. He thought it hit them. So when the captain came over to me and said, well, the R2 says he thought it hit them. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. What do you mean thought? Like, <laughs> did it hit the player or did it not hit the player? And after the game was over, the R2 told my captain, I may have missed that one. See, that I have a problem with. And thankfully, it was a preseason game. You know, it said whatever it happened. But can you like, can you see what, what we talk about as coaches and that and that just one example of something that happens all the time in our game and i'm happy you say that because it's not about what we thought it's about what we saw right and, and, I'm, glad, conversation. and I'm glad you because that sort of you know morse into another area and it's so important what you say it's the same when you know having the discussion with the lions ahead of the match and to say on touches you have to be a hundred percent not ninety percent you right. can't think it touched it because again it's you know, Coach Beck can go off on one. What do you mean you thought? It's either yeah. one or the other. And that's why you'll hear a lot of times referees say, well, I didn't see it, right? If there was a, a catch, that's it. The player was the backwards storm. Well, I can't call something I sure. didn't see. And as long as you, you, you inform them and, and uh, let them know that it's hard to, you know, did the ball touch the ground or was it a, a, a pancake? I can't say, well, 90%, I have to be 100%. And if not, it's, it's play on. And so, yeah, it's, it's these things that we need to you know, continuously you know, educate and, and, and talk. And, and it's how you exchange, how you um, have that rapport with the, the coach. You know, there's not much a coach can say if I, if I turn to him no, and say, coach, I, sorry. And, and I'll say a little thing like that. Sorry, I didn't see it. Or, well, coach, you know what? Hey, I may have missed that because then, you know, they understand that you're human. Yeah. You know, I appreciate that. But what coaches tell me is don't make up stuff. That's don't call two hits. And then they say, wait a minute. What's first contact is okay. Well, you know what? Nah, it was a catch ball. That's what will drive yeah. people nuts. And I say to referees, don't admit you are wrong. There's nothing wrong with that. It's no different than having to say, guess what, guys? Reserve. It's something that you don't want to see happen too often because then that's another issue. But yeah. there are times when, hey, lines didn't see it. You weren't 100%. 
guys, hey, reserve. Then yeah. that kind of squashes. Uh, sure. You know, I like to, I don't want to sound arrogant when I say this, but I like to pride myself on uh, not having, I've never gotten a yellow card, like a misconduct card. I've gotten a sure. delay of game here and there, but I've never gotten a yellow card or red card because at the end of the day, I understand that, that refs are trying to, you know, we're all trying to do our best and it is what it is. So I, I have great relationships with refs in our okay. league. So I get a chance to have a lot of conversations with, you know, what, why they made this decision and how they made it and stuff like that. And a lot of them, a lot of what you're saying is true. Like, you know, it, it, they, everyone makes mistakes. A hundred percent. I get that. And the interpretational calls and things like that. And like hundred percent, it's the consistency. That's, that's what yes. we're after. It's the consistency. So I had, I do have a question for you though. So let's talk about the procedure for the captain. So a lot of times, right. We're not trying to have a delay a game here, but there's a lot of times where I see something. Okay. Now I have to communicate that with my captain before he goes up to the R1. Cause I can't say, Hey, go up there. And my captain's like, well, what do I, what, am, what do you want? So what are we allowed to do? Like, can I, can I say, captain, come here, tell him what, I, what my thoughts were about what I saw, then go sure. to the R1. Like, yes. how does that work? Cause I don't want to get to delay a game now. Right. Yeah. It's, as long as it's quick. Yeah. That, that's fine. Because it's, I, I understand that. And you know, not the captain may not see everything. Um, it may not be as well informed on a, on a situation or, sure. or on a play. So yeah, having that call. Now, this is what I will and, and will not uh, allow. Okay. So you have the, the captain they come over to you. You give them the information. They go to the R1. R1 gives them that information. That captain goes back to the coach. I'm not allowing that captain to come back again. It's not a back and forth. Once I've given, because that, that tells me that the coach doesn't like what was said. It's not a matter of liking. Um, you know, that is the decision that was made. I'm not going to allow it to go back and forth, back and forth. Okay. Now the, the, the play is, the game is being delayed. So if they do come back a second time, I will automatically give them a, a, a delay. So basically my captain has to be knowledgeable about the game that after I say my piece, they have to then take that and go and deal with the ref themselves and, may, and whatever conversation comes out of that, that's it. So that's a great point because that not always happens because the, the even me, I'm so guilty of this too. Now that I think about it in the past, after I tell my captain, I tell my captain to come back. Oh, I, I want to hear what they say. And then I tell yes. him to go back. Oh, so, I know. So see, see, this is why we had these conversations. I didn't know that you're not allowed to do that. Well, it's, I, should, I, I can't say it's, you're not allowed. You can try, you can do it. And I'll, so I'll tell you probably 80% of the time, the ref is going to allow you. I'm letting you know what's going to happen if you're on, if I'm on your court. <laughs> yeah. But, and, but, and, and the but reason the why, though, and the reason why, right? Because then the other team was like, again, because we talked about how you're not going to change their, 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 their mind. Um, you know, if it's, especially if, again, it's on a, on a, on a cash ball, what have you, or sure. once I've already gotten all the information that I need to make that final decision, I'm not going to go back and, and have a debate. It's, we can agree to disagree. I will a lot of times look at the coach once that is delivered and sort of give them a thumbs up to, are, are you good? We're good. And then we're away we go. No, yeah. Interpretational calls, I get that there's nothing to discuss there. But I'm, I'm going back to the, the one example I gave you earlier sure. about, you know, the, the, the touchdown on my player and having people come over. You know, I... I was like, no, no, come over here. Like have him at least consult. Cause I was, I was like, come on guys, let's get the right call. So I was right. still telling my captain to come over, but nevertheless, my captain has to fight for that. Like they have to say, no, let's okay. That's listen, 
I'm going to have to go back and have a conversation with my captain after this thing. Cause we need to be on the same page. He needs to understand even more than I thought he does, because that's a good point. I guarantee you 80% of coaches don't know that. Right. Without well, a doubt. You know what, but it's also, we're in, you know, we're all in this game because we love the game and it's, it's really important to build a relationship. And so that's why you're, you are seeing more conversation, especially with the coach and, and R2. A lot of times, you know, when the, you know, the, the coach, if I'm R2 and the coach is not happy with a call and then they're talking to me and, and I'll say, hey, coach, um, either, you know, I, I didn't see it. Uh, I'm not going to throw my R1 uh, under the bus. Sure. If there's information that I need to communicate, uh, there are times where I will invite myself into the conversation if um, R1 is not called. Nova. Oh, you can do that. I can. Oh, yeah. I mean, I will. Yes, I will just go over because that's not my place. Uh, but you'll see that there if I especially if it's for the team, let's say it's for misconduct. There's absolutely I'm going to say I'm coming over because this needs to be uh, addressed. Or let's say there's some talking in, in between the net and R1 is not seeing it or not understanding my communication. But that's why, you know, you're having that communication before the match. So you understand if I give, okay, number one, if I say sort of, you know, with my hands gesturing that there's chatting going on and give a number, uh, then there may not need to be a reason for them to, to call me over. Or, but if there's something that I don't want to get lost in translation, uh, I, I will uh, head okay. over there. But you- having having that side conversation, though, uh, I'll keep my whistle in my, in my mouth and say, hey, hey coach, you know, yeah, I, I saw it that way as, as well. Or, you know what, I didn't see it from that angle. Because there are some calls that R2 can make. For instance, a backcourt block. Uh, you know, Generally, it's going to be the R2 that's calling that. But if I'm not 100% sure based on my angle, uh, whether that p- person, the contact was made above the height of the net, I will give a give the the the, uh, the, the signal to R one just so that we make sure that they're aware that that person was in the backcourt. And if they don't feel that it was, then they just you know wave it off. Or if it's you know a, a backcourt attack, same thing. If I see their foots on you know on on the line, um, and I'm hundred percent right, I, that's in my realm of responsibilities to call that. So there's a lot more things that are, um, you know, the responsibility that R1 or R2 can call because again, R1 may not see everything. A quick aside, you know, if the libero sets the ball in the the front court and it's attacked immediately after, in the rule book, you know, last year, that was not a, a call that R2 could make. That had to be R1. For me, again, we talked earlier about getting a call right. Now, yes, R2 can, can, can whistle that. And it's all about making sure that you know, the right team is, is, is getting the ball. Because there are things that coaches don't understand that are protestable and will try and wait until at the end of the match. And it's like, coach, sorry, you, know, you need to do it at that time. So that's a prime example where something – is is could potentially be protestable and they just don't they're just not aware okay oh, man there's so much to dive into which we don't <laughs> have time for but let me just okay so can a coach talk to the r2 no uh, okay. if, if on 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 the faces of it no i mean uh do they but okay. no they're, they're fair enough they're, all right i want to use your to. example you're yeah. you're your libero setting here for example yes as an r2 before let's say for example before the r2 was allowed to call this 
R2Cs, a libero set the ball clearly in front of the attack line. R1 did not see it. Yes. Okay. R1 makes the call that it's the offensive team's point. R2 saw it, signaled to the R1, R1 ignored. Now, this has happened, by the way, not in this example, oh. but stuff like this has happened. Sure, As sure. a coach now, this is what I do. This is what I'm telling me if I'm wrong. Am I supposed to have my captain go to the R1 and say, the R2 saw a line. Can we have, can we consult the R2 to make the right call? Is that the way we do it? Absolutely. For sure. Okay. But, and I, but I would instruct R2 if they saw that, they make sure and communicate that to R1. If they're, but. So the R2, is the R2 allowed happen. to go over? Can the R2 just R, go over without the R1 no, calling them over? No. Okay. So that the R1 has to call them over. Yes. Okay. See, that's, that's good for me to understand that. Cause I'm telling you, the same, so many situations are going to happen where the R2 saw something, R1 made the call, R1 did not have the conversation with the R2, R2 would signal, you know, they, you guys signal on the other side or whatever, yeah, yeah. and um, R1 just kind of weighs it off, I didn't see it. No, hold on, they, they, have, they have to have that, but the, but the R1 is within his or her rights to say, I don't, I, it's okay, I, I don't need to have that conversation, yes. this is the call that I make, they have that right. They have that right, because ultimately... Okay. They're the ones that um, have the final say. So if they don't want to engage, now that's not how I would carry out my my business, carry out uh, the instructions. Yeah. But yes, that is within their rights. All right, that's good to know. Yeah. See, this is oh, unreal. Okay. Okay. I, I got another ten minutes here with you. I don't want to keep you too long, but man, there's so much stuff to, to dive into. Okay. So we talked about. Let me just recap quickly because it was a lot. So. Uh, the procedure, all right, now that we understand how this works, coaches, their only job is substitutions and timeouts. That's their, that's their job. Everything else is captain signals by putting their hand up. They're allowed to come over quickly to the coach to hear what the coach would like to have a conversation with the R1 about. Captain goes over, has that conversation, can come back once and tell the coach. And that's pretty much it because the cap, it's the captain's responsibility to, I don't want to say argue, but really state their reason, their point and have that conversation and whatever the outcome of that conversation is between the captain and the R1, the coach has to accept whatever happened. There's no going back and forth and things like that. So that's accurate. That, that's right. And I, and I should say really even for the substitutions, right? Because now the, the sub just comes in the sub zone. It comes so, in, the, in the substitution. So theoretically, here. yeah, they're not even signaling that. Uh, the substitution, yeah. Okay. So. All right, fair enough. And what's what's interesting that you said, and I, I thought this is interesting, is is it's actually unsportsmanlike to be having a conversation from coach to R one across the court, right? You sh in theory you shouldn't be doing that for sure. And, and I'll just say for our, our listeners here in, in Canada, it is actually now in the rule book that that is uh, unsportsmanlike and um, is a yellow card. So that is right there in the rule book here in Canada. If the yep. coach is yelling across at, uh, at R1, that is, uh, that is a, a disciplinary uh, infraction. Oh, it's so tough. Ah, oh, man. I'm, I'm thinking back to some of my games where my captain, now that I know, was not doing a good enough job. And I was saying, no, but tell him this. Like, you know, something like that, which is, which is I completely understand. Okay. All right. We got about another 10 minutes here. I don't want to keep you too long. Let's, uh, let's go really quickly because you, you foreshadowed this. What is the R2 allowed to call? Because we know the R1 can call it can call everything, right? There's no there's nothing there's no limitations to the R1. What is the R2 allowed to call? Well, um, R, R2 has a, a lot of responsibilities. So they're they're calling um, the net on the 
um, the defensive side, although they can call the offense as well, especially if the ball is contacted uh, offensively and their follow through hits the net and our one is eyes are, are now following the ball. So they have the opportunity to, to call the net. Yeah. Uh, their responsibility is um, the, the center line, uh, backcourt attack, uh, backcourt block, uh, libero setting the ball in the, in the front court. So they can blow their whistle and they make can, all of these calls. They can w- whistle that. They okay. can whistle ball down. Oh, interesting. Uh, okay. That does not happen very often. Yeah. But in a play that is right in front of them, and there was not a, a pancake, what I would, would do is, as I, again, I, I motion to R1. R1 doesn't make that eye contact. R2 can whistle that ball down. That is within their uh, authority. And then they take care of the, the timeouts, uh, the, the substitutions. Uh, so they, they have a, a lot of, of responsibility. They are there to make sure that the, the benches, you know, the, the coach's seat is not occupied, uh, that the, uh, the warm-up area, you know, that they are not infringing upon the, the court. Uh, so there's a lot that they are responsible for. Uh, even I would say, you know, the, the staring throat uh, in the net, right? After a big kill, you know yeah. that the players will, you know, stare <laughs> down or there may even be some contact through the nets. Uh, they can help out uh, R1 in that, in that area as well. So, uh, you know, okay, got ultimately, it. That, there's a reason why R1 and R2, they, they work in, in, in tandem. Okay. Um, I got a couple of quick ones for you. Are you good with time for another like seven minutes or so? Sure. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Uh, so can assistant coaches leave the bench? Temporarily. Yes. So they can go now, again, if you're, if we're talking uh, university, uh, they can come out, given instructions and and sit back down. Even if you have uh, the head coach that is standing a lot of times, if that's different, is that new? Cause that was not the case before. No, that's, that's been, I'm going to say about four or five years in in university. So that, that is not the situation uh, in college here. Okay. Uh, again, for you know, I, I am referencing my my friends uh, south of the border just because of have yep. refereed there, and I and I know what they appreciate they, that they do. Uh, so it's different for them. And uh, if there's uh, instructions that they want to you know quickly give to the in the warm up area, you know, especially if a player is going to be coming off the bench, uh, they can do that. But uh, other than that, uh, they are to sit on the bench, and they have no interaction uh, with any referees or or anything. So even if at the university level, if they're standing up to give you know advice, information to their players, they can't be raising their hand and say that was two hits or that was four right. towards um, R one. That is not uh, within their jurisdiction. Okay, so uh, good to know. And in youth volleyball as well, U.S. or Canada, are assistant coaches allowed to get up? Uh, no, youth not, volleyball not- for sure. Not, not to not to give uh, information onto the court. Yes, they can. Again, quickly go and, and uh, go and see uh, a player in the warm up. But no, they're not onto you know the side of the court um, instructing players. Okay, got it. Perfect. Well, uh, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I had another one here. I lost my. Yeah, at this conversation, I had so much notes. Oh, there's this other one. If a coach asks for a rotation check, first of all. 
it's it's not the coach, it's the captain that's the rotation, uh, right? See? And I got 90% it. of the time, right? It's the coach and the referee authorizes that. But no, that is, and I will say to the coach, go to your captain. So they cannot. The coach can actually come to the scores table to see, ask how many timeouts and substitutions. They can actually do that. Didn't know that uh, either. But but from a rota- from a rotation standpoint, no, that's that's the captain. Okay. Now, if they asked for a rotation check and it was deemed that they were out of rotation, okay, do they lose any points for the points they gained when they were out of rotation or do they just go back to their, they fix their rotation and we move on? If it can be determined that they were out of rotation, yes, uh, they would lose all, all the points. Uh, so that's the beauty though with at least the e-score sheet at the university level. Uh, we still don't have it uh, at the college level here uh, in, in Canada. So that really, you know, shouldn't happen or, or wouldn't happen because everything is done uh, by the computer. Right. But, um, and, and so you can quickly go and, and ascertain as to when that auto rotation uh, took place. If you cannot, uh, then you just place them in the correct rotation uh, order. Yep. And they just lose that point. But if you can actually go back and, and I'll tell you, this happens many more times. And I, I can tell you it's happened to me a couple of times mm-hmm. where we've had the wrong player to start uh, a <laughs> set and they have lost the, you know, all the points. And, and that's the beauty again of the electronics. Of course, you don't know, right. quick, quick story. I remember I was at the old Ryerson now at, at TMU. Yeah. Uh, and uh, they was in the second set and, uh, Ryerson uh, ended up, um, they were down 23-21 and they scored the next four points. Number 18 came off the bench. 18 wasn't on the roster and we didn't have an e-score sheet at that time. And it was discovered no. after. And uh, so you had, you had to go and, and, and make the, uh, the change. Make the no. correction, and the player is no and not eligible to, to come in in, in the, you know third fourth set. So, um, and they lost all those points. And they lost all those points. Funny enough, they ended up coming back and still winning them, winning that set. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's uh, it, it happens, and it's it's tough. And so, although it's it can be deemed as referee score error, it's still up to the coach to right. ensure they have the the, the right players. And how many times do you see a captain, for instance, when they sign the roster at the beginning of the match, they don't even look, they just sign. And then all, then, then it's the coach that comes and the coach was diligently going through and seeing, making sure, cause right. Yeah. Cause they could have their away jerseys or their home jerseys or, yeah. or what have you, because it's important. They need to be on right. that roster to be, uh, to be eligible. And this is where, you know, it's, it's, I love, and I'll comment to captains that will actually go through and, and, and sign before they sign to check that out because you know that they understand it majority of times because they're a referee as well. Right. Oh man, this is amazing. Uh, like, we're going to have to have you come back on again in the future. Yeah, because absolutely. This is like, like it, even I'm learning and I mean, we're just going to do a quick recap. Um, I didn't even get to all my questions, but that's okay. I got to the main ones. Uh, and you can have me back. 
I'm, we're, you're gonna come back. This is uh, this is unbelievable. Okay, so let's just I want to I want to preface by saying, listeners, you're gonna have to listen to episode 90 because episode 90 we dove into the double contact uh, catch and throw. We dove into playing the ball at the net and a couple other things. So that was a really good one. Um, today we we reviewed the double contact and lift or not lift rather, but catch uh-huh. and throw because that is something that every coach always has issues with. So I I always want to make sure we talk about that. Um, and then we went into talking about the procedure for interacting with the refs during a match you know the the what the coach is allowed to do what which is basically call timeouts um and that's pretty much it and then uh we talked about how the captain goes over puts his hand up or her hand up signals goes over to the coach really quickly if needed and then has that conversation with the ref understand that there's going to be no back and forth because that they have to be knowledgeable and i think that after this episode i've gained a little bit more clarity on how much my captain needs to know because they need to know a ton of more than I originally anticipated. And I guarantee you coaches don't know that. So we talked about that, getting the call, right. Um, you know, we talked about what the coach is not allowed and, and allowed to do rotation checks. Um, I was really interested the courtesy. That one, that one was, was a good one. I understand that's a courtesy when a ref gives you the number. Um, we also talked about, which is really important, shooing them away when refs shoo coaches or captains away, that that's not, not acceptable. It sh- shouldn't happen. Uh, the responsibilities of the R2, which is really cool to know. And then, you know, rotation checks and assistant coaches leaving, uh, leaving the bench and things like that. So that was good. I want to finish off with two more things, not, not questions, but more comments. <clears throat> you know, I, uh, I think that maybe not at the, at the youth level, but at the OCAA, the OUA, NCAA level, um, you know, national coaches have a big responsibility. And I, and I, I, I reference basketball a lot because you know, I watch a lot of basketball, so I see things, but you know, in volleyball, in basketball, they have like the two minute report or they have like the, the, at the end of the, the, the two minutes at the end of each quarter, two minutes at the, at the end of a game, uh, referees, they, they, it's their responsibility to review that. After every match, they review the the final two minutes. Well, the higher level, they review the entire game, a lot of situations, but they also make hundreds of thousands of dollars. So let's mm-hmm. not talk about that. But the two-minute report's interesting. In volleyball, I don't know if you're familiar with the term, but we have the 2020 rule. Um, and the 2020 rule from a coaching perspective is generally speaking, when it comes to 2020, that's when you start seeing where, you know, setters go to their big time players who they need to score. And that's when like all the tendencies come out and things like that. But I think the 2020 rule can also apply to the sport in general, like from a referee standpoint. Like, I think we should have something where the 2020 rule is reviewed. Like the last the last 10 points of a match is looked over. The crucial moments of a match is looked over. And I think that I'm actually going to be putting this motion in forward for us. But from a coaching standpoint, you guys need access to film. You don't have access to film. I do. That, oh, you do. But not I, every I do does, too, yes. Yeah, but does, does every ref have access no, to the No, okay. no, no. So refs should have access to, you know, huddle or volumetrics or whatever software that the, the league uses to go back and review that at the high level, at the youth level. Sure. No, that's not, they don't get paid enough for that at the higher level. You still don't get paid enough for it. But regardless, I think that they should have the ability to go back and say, oh, you know what? I want to go back and see that last call or, or, the, or at least the last 2020 of it. Go back and see, you know, w- let's review it so we can have a conversation and learn about it. I think that is something that. As, as the chair, maybe that's something that you start thinking about, you know, making it part of their job to go back and review the last 2022, 2020, whatever, the last like 10 minutes of the match, just to make sure that they can, because a lot you can learn in that last moments. So that was one. Um, yeah, that's probably, that was my last big one. And first of all, 
Thank you so much for it. There's my, there's my kids. He, he knows yeah. time's up too. <laughs> <laughs> if I could comment though, it's, yeah. it's funny you mentioned about the 2020 because we have that as well. Okay. We, we refer that to that's where the referee makes their money. Yeah, uh, and, I agree. and, and, it, and it's, it's amazing how so many things happen once a team hits 20. It's no coincidence that there's, that's where a lot of controversy takes place, especially yep. at, at set point or yep. at, at, at match point. Um, you know, I was fortunate to be involved in the, the second longest set uh, in, in North America last month in a, in a match between UFT uh, and New York, UFT in New York, 46-44. So, you, you know, talk about 2020. That was an extended overtime mm-hmm. there. And, uh, and we're conscious of that. There's nothing worse than having a match or a set end on controversy. And that's why I say to Lions as well. You have the most important role here, not R1, not R2, but lines. Why? Right. Because at match point, set point, what have you, ball on your side, we're looking at you to, 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 to make that call. Was, was it a touch? Was, right. it, was it in? Did it go off the antenna? There's a, you know, they're the ones that are following the play and, and you know, they have to act and, and, uh, and, and, and be as a, uh, as a as a referee you know in, in their position and so right. you know where did that ball you know touch and go off and, and what have you and so uh yeah uh, it's it's really important and for the most part all these matches are available uh they're on on demand uh, they can go in and review and and many do uh many do have uh, access uh to that and, and want to take a look and see good yeah that that's too much work though you they need access <laughs> to huddle or volley yeah. metrics where the games are broken down. So you, I don't know if you know this, you probably do, no. but many referees don't know this, but as a ref, as a coach, I can go into a match and I can filter out plays and see. So you don't have to go and scroll through hours of video. You could, you could hit, go to the last 2020 of the, of the match or any controversial call you want to review. So you don't have to go through it. You could filter the, the, the set out and it will take you to that exact clip where that that play happened so it saves you a ton of time it, and for for us as coaches it saves us a ton of time because if i want to go to a certain play i just right. i just filter it out and it takes me to that play that's that what i'm aware of yeah see there you go i'm now teaching you stuff <laughs> there you, so, i love it so as a as as a as a ref i'm going to be putting this in, in my coaches meeting at the end of the season you guys need access to our software where games are broken down so you can see it and that saves you time because you don't have to go watch a whole match you can just literally go right into the play and see it learn from it and I mean, this is me as a coach. Obviously, you could disagree, but I think it should be a requirement for us to go and actually do this at the, at the OC at the college level, not anything else. At the college level, to go in and make it part of their job. Now, you're going to say you need to get paid more insurance, and I completely agree with that. Respect it completely. But hopefully, we get to a point one day where this this is a possibility for you guys to actually go back in and, and see to better ed- educate. Because I actually like I'm I'm friends with a lot of refs, and I'll send them clips. I'm like, hey, look at this. See what I'm talking about? And I'm like, yeah, you know, it is what it is, but that's, uh, <laughs> it, it's good. It's good that you say you have access, but hopefully other refs can get access to that. Not just the, not just the regular on-demand film, but yeah. All right, man, listen, I kept you way longer than I wanted to. No and I'm so sorry. Um, we're going to have you back on again in the future. This is amazing. Coaches listening to this. You're going to have to come back and you're going to have to take some notes because last time I had you on, I took a ton of notes. This time I had you on, I had to stop taking notes guys to get back to you. Um, and I, I learned a lot. And I think that there is such a demand for this. 
in, in our sport all across the world, not even Canada, US, all across the world. Because I've been coaching, I coach this game at a high level. And I didn't know that that was a courtesy. I didn't know that that we can't have this back and forth. You know, like all this, like the little things that are obvious, but to, to you guys, but maybe not to us, um, is there, there is, and if you ever want this, this is off the record. If you ever want to pr- team up on a project to get this going, I'm so down for that. Cause this is, uh, this is, this is needed in our it's, sport. Anyway, any final thoughts, man, before I let you go? No, just uh, hey, it's always a pleasure. Um, I, I can talk volleyball uh, all day. Again, as I said, it's it's, it's a passion. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a hobby, but I love the sport. It's it's growing. Uh, being able to uh, referee at a, at a high level and, and do something that uh, in my wildest dreams I never thought was possible and travel, meet great people like yourself. Uh, not only you know in this beautiful. Uh, uh, province country of ours but uh, you know throughout the world and making uh, lifelong uh, friendships and coming together uh, speaking that you know that one thing that we have in common and, and that's vulnerable so I uh, just want to uh, wish you and, and, and your family all the very best over this uh, holiday season and you know look forward to get back at it uh, in the new year. Absolutely, man. And again, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Listeners, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Volleyball by Design podcast. I'll see you guys next week. Take care. All right. Cue the music. Look, are you at the stage you want to be in your volleyball journey? How would it feel to get clarity on your training? And instead of taking months to get better, you could improve in weeks, if not days. When I was a young coach and player, I felt this way all the time. The truth is, after I got some great advice on how to be efficient, my learning curve grew exponentially. Let me show you how to be more efficient and effective in this game. I invite you to check out CoachBTraining.com for more resources that you can use to take your game to the next level. I look forward to helping you reach your volleyball goals.